Provoke podcast is brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at Notified.com. Welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. I'm Arthi Shaw, Executive Editor for Provoke and the host for today's episode. So this episode is part two in our series on the License to Accelerate Perspectives on the Future of Health, which we're doing in partnership with Allison and Partners. Part one focused on mental health and how the pandemic has accelerated sort of the, the destigmatization of um, and access to mental health. Um, I'll link to that fantastic conversation in the show notes below. But I'm so excited about today's episode. This is about the femtech boom and women's health. So women's health has slowly been moving from the margins into the main stage, and there are numbers to back that up. So according to, I think it was a Frost and Sullivan study, um, the femtech market is expected to reach, I think, 1.15 billion by 2025, and it currently represents, I think, about a $700 million market. So we have some experts to talk a little bit more about this today. Um, We have Jess Graham, who's Chief Marketing Officer at Hologram Sciences. This is a personalized nutrition company. Jess was previously head of global consumer product marketing at Instagram, as well as having senior roles at Facebook, Helix, and Visa. We also have Bulbul Huda, who is brand creator and Chief Marketing Officer at Bella Bioscience, which is a femtech company behind a woman's pleasure serum. Um, Bulbul previously comes from Unilever, L'Oreal, and Teixeira. And also we have Michelle Webb, who leads the health practice at Allison and Partners. Welcome everyone. Hi, thank you. Great to be here. We have so much to talk about today. Um, So I was thinking a a good place to start would be Michelle, if you wanna give us sort of a foundation about how Femtech has evolved and how the global uh, pandemic has impacted this space. Sure. So I think, you know, over the past 15 months, we're seeing a huge surge in health tech overall, right? Telemedicine is kind of the hot topic. Um, What's happening at the same time is a huge, you know, boom in femtech, basically apps, um, technology that is used to being improved women's health and has come really become its own category. Um, Traditionally, the category was not very well invested in pretty ignored because we weren't seeing huge exits from um, a lot of these startups and and other companies. But what's happening is, you know, a a category that is really kind of flooded with, you know, period tracking apps and fertility is now extending into the life cycle of women's health. So we're seeing more companies move into menopause, motherhood, really covering all parts of that, the end to end life cycle of women as we go through all these stages in our life. Um, so we're seeing, like you said, Arthi, a huge boom in capital, uh, huge boom in women actually leading these companies as more VC is getting distributed and more diversity is happening. Um, you know, lots of names to name here, but you know, Clue, Maven Clinic, um, all these big, big companies that are really kind of, you know, having these tentacles across the space, um, really interesting things happening. So um, look forward to hearing from Jess and Bulbul on more of that. Yeah. So, so Jess and Bulbul, this would be a good chance for you all to kind of tell us where your companies sort of fit into this landscape. Um, Bulbul, do you want to start? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you're absolutely right. Femtech is seeing a big boom and sexual wellness is having its own moment. It actually started even before the pandemic. Uh, What we are seeing is, you know, just to take a few steps back where we are today on the culture curve. 
you know, women have been underrepresented, underrepresented and underserved for a very long time, just as a consumer base, and even more so when it comes to all things sex. The last time there was a true scientific breakthrough for women's sexual health was the birth control pill in the 1960s. You know, but what about pleasure? And as we are moving along on the culture curve and women are claiming their rightful stake in all avenues of life, they're also recognizing that there is a deep desire to maximize one's sexual agency. You know, they, and, and, and it's not about sex per se, it's more about having that sense of self-liberation and determination that, you know, equality more than anything else. Uh, so with that said, Vela Bioscience is a femtech company and we call ourselves femtech because our, we have a proprietary technology that we've developed, uh, which has been a, a result of many years of research and development uh, to truly find something that, that makes that change in her life. Uh, we are a company driven to put science in service of every woman's sexual health. Uh, and our flagship product is a topical pre-play uh, serum for arousal and orgasm. So, you know, that's that's where we are at. And this is the first of many innovations to come from the house of Vela. Right. Uh, but but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to Jess to also yeah. chi chime in now. Yeah, Jess, great, great to get your, your yeah. background in your company as well. Sure. So Hologram Sciences is a portfolio-based company. We offer solutions into the market across a variety of health conditions. Um, we launched in April with a product that helps um, with a vitamin D deficiency and immunity. And um, our next product that we're launching is in the menopause space. And essentially what we're hoping to do is bring together diagnostics, behavioral health, technology, supplementation, and nutrition to help women through a really challenging and often painful emotional time in their lives with real solutions that can help them live more fully at a time when they should be coming into their own celebrating themselves. Um, you know, I think that the term FinTech is a really interesting sort of way of, of um, framing the discussion, because for me, this is about the health and wellness of half the population of the world. It's a group of people that command, you know, a third of the global wealth. And certainly, you know, from a household decision-making perspective can, can, and be the decision makers and even more of that. And, uh, you know, they're also carrying a huge mental load and they deserve to have solutions for them that, that, enable them to live really full lives and really joyful and, and healthy and well lives. And so I, I'm excited, whatever we want to call it, I'm excited that there's a boom, that there's interest, there's investment um, across Silicon Valley and other places. It's, it's about time. Just before we move on to the next question, I, I have to follow up with you on that. So, so, so you're, the, are you concerned that the term femtech could potentially, you know, like, like, marginalize the space and kind of, you know, whatever the, the, the pinkification of it. Yeah. I mean, girl boss, femtech, you know, all of those things I think are, you know, they're, they're problematic because right. they don't, they don't create, um, the kind of gravitas that we deserve as full human beings. They, they do tend to, to put, um, demographics in the margins. And, you know, we see it happening in other areas, not just with femtech or women's health. Right. And, right. and I think, um, we should just be commanding a full place at the table. We don't need to name it. We just should take it. That's, that's an excellent, excellent point, Jess. Um, you know, so speaking of language, let's, let's talk about sort of the areas, you know, that you're, that you're discussing. I mean, you're, you're tackling two traditionally, you know, taboo subjects, 
menopause and, and women's sexual pleasure. And it's very hard to talk about these things without using words like vagina and vulva and orgasm. So how do you, how do you use language in your marketing? I mean, I know traditionally these areas have been handled with euphemisms. Um, are you all going in that direction or are you using the, the correct scientific terms? Um, and yes, yeah, so let, let's just start there, sort of how, you're, how are you handling language around the marketing of your products? And I will open it up to, to anyone who wants to chime in here. I can, I can go first, uh, you know, and this was, I mean, our, our company really uh, came into being last year during the pandemic and we did spend a couple of months, you know, really articulating what that language should look like. And we were presented with all sorts of, <laughs> all sorts of uh, metaphors for the, for the words that we shouldn't use. Uh, but we took a call as a company, uh, you know, it, it, we're going to be a 2021 company. If now is the time, we can't say the words. And, you know, we chose the people who will work on the brand very carefully too. If you're going to feel awkward using the word orgasm, I'm very worried how you're going to sell it. So, you know, we are not shying away from calling it what it is, uh, even, and it reflects into the visual language as well. You know, it's sexual, it's, uh, you know, and there is absolutely normal, because this is the time to normalize these conversations. If you're not going to be able to say vulva and vagina, uh, then it's, it, it, it's really rough times ahead, you know? Right, right. I am, uh, for us, you know, I'm grateful for the people who have come before. There are a lot of amazing brands who have been working in the, you know, period space with period underwear and, and a lot of other um, brands that have really sort of cut a swath for us to di directly address some of these issues and use words like vagina and vulva and um, hot flash and, you know, not call it a power surge because it certainly doesn't feel like that when you're having one. Um, we, we take a very scientific approach as well. We want to make sure that we are, you know, educating and informing women about the biology and the whys and the wherefores in addition to being empathetic. And, you know, in general, we want to meet women where they are. We want to um, offer them, you know, solutions that they relate to. Um, that's what we're all about is, is creating things that, that women feel um, serve their needs and, and they express it in lots of different ways. So I think you'll see us using you know, lots of different terminology because people, people in different regions and different cultures have different words for things. Right. So, so well, let's talk a little bit about social media then, because I know there, there are, there are rules um, on social in particular around paid social. Okay. So do you have to adjust your language and are those standards changing? Can you say orgasm on, if you want to do a paid social ad on Facebook or Instagram, can you say vagina? I mean, what, what are the limitations and how are you navigating that? No, you can't use these words in paid advertising. We do have the, you know, the leeway to use it in our organic content. And it's been a tough decision, but if that's what it takes, we will find other avenues to market our product, but we will not do it at the, at the risk of misinforming a consumer who's already confused with all the misinformation that has been served to them uh, over the past years. So we use paid social, but we, we use it to, we kind of navigate the pathways and we use it to collect, let's say, email signups. And that's very, you know, PG-13 language that we reach out. So we know that we're reaching out to people who seek this information. 
and then they sign up for the emails and then we educate them through drip campaigns via email because you know like just said education is key uh, just and google google is google is actually way ahead of social media when it comes to a paid advertising and what is allowed and what is not allowed and search has been such a great avenue for us and it and it's also telling just the bulk of searches and what people are really looking for i mean you'll be surprised some of them is am i even having sex correctly is this the right way to do it you know and if that's where we are at it's the job of brands like ours and hopefully more to come and join the bandwagon uh, to help you know tra travel with the consumer across the bridge and and show them that this is you know this is where we are this is 2021 this is what is so baffling to me you know yeah i definitely think it's a challenge you know we we are um our industry in silicon valley you know the creative industry is often led by men um you know and the technology that runs platforms are often built by men and you know biases are inherent in how um, those things come to life and, you know, it is a real challenge. We definitely have to band together as women, as business owners, as leaders, um, who, who are coming into our power and really push back and, and get them to reconsider places that, that don't seem equitable. And, and just given that you, you're, you, you have background at, at Instagram and, and Facebook, do you, what do you think will take to, to kind of adjust these standards so that you can have you know, you know, paid advertising on these on these platforms that use the medically, you know, the, 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 the medical terms. Yeah, I think, you know, um, certainly critical mass always helps and advertising dollars are important. And, you know, as this boom of women's health and they're taking women's health seriously starts happening, I think platforms hopefully will be forced to reconsider some of the decisions that they've made sometimes and oftentimes unintentionally um, that have unintended consequences. So I suspect that, you know, they've had to come, you know, so far to, to talk about period underwear and, and thinks and things like that, brands like that have pushed them. I expect that this new wave will also push them. Um, and we're excited to do it. Right. Um, so let's, let's then talk a little bit about trust and, and, and your, your various stakeholders, but in particular, you know, consumers and women, um, you know, you're both talking, talking about products that are truly, you know, truly intimate, right? I mean, one is, is designed to take you through one of life's major, major transition points. And another one is, is to be, you know, applied topically to a very sensitive area. Um, how, how do you, how do you approach trust and how do you build trust with consumers? And Jess, I will, I will start with you on this one. <laughs> you know, uh I think as a brand, you have relationships with your consumers. And I think building trust in a consumer brand relationship is not all that dissimilar from how you build trust in any relationship. You show up, you're transparent, um, you are um, straightforward and you engage, you have dialogue and um, you also bring in expertise and critical clinical experts in our case, and I'm sure in Bobles as well, to tell the story about what science says and, um, and really use evidence to back up what you're saying. I think, you know, in my industry, you know, part of what we sell is nutritional supplements. It's certainly not all we offer, but it's part of it. And someone once described it as a faith-based business. And I thought it's kind of crazy. It's, it doesn't need to be because we've got diagnostics that are fantastic that you can do at home that can actually tell you whether 
whether or not you need to be taking something that someone is offering you and whether or not it's working. And that's a huge part of what we're bringing to the table. Um, and, you know, so I think from, from my perspective, building trust is, is a long journey. It takes a long time. Um, and you have to show up with a lot of consistency and you have to really engage, um, with your consumers to do it and, and meet them where they are. Yeah. Similar to Jess's point, like we are a science-based company. Our, you know, our inventor has a legacy in male sexual health. And then he dedicated past few years of his life to uh, find similar breakthroughs for women's sexual health. Uh, So the fact that we have clinical data to support what we are promising and, you know, that, that, consistent delivery of efficacy builds trust. Uh, I think communicating with radical transparency, what is, you know, it's such a sensitive area, like you rightly said, it's so intimate. So we, we, we don't ever hide any ingredient that's in the product, how it works and whether it will work for you or not, because our response rate is two out of every three women. So we are not going to tell you, oh, you are absolutely going to respond to it. We hope you do, but it's a 67% response rate. And, you know, we, we make sure we communicate that. And I think the third leg of building trust is being truly empathetic, you know, and communicating and reaching out to the consumer. Let's say the influencers we um, hire for the brand, we make sure that they are authentic. You know, they are sex positive. They are, uh, they are, they are in it to normalize these conversations and not just for the money. Uh, and that, you know, people can associate uh, this conversation with these people in the most credible way. Um, to that effect, given that our, both our co-inventors are men, they they make sure that you know all communications outside of the company are led by the women employees. And this is such also such an important statement that Vela Bioscience is actually making in this you know in this movement that we are all part of. That you know because coming from a man telling you about your anatomy, it's just not it's it. It doesn't, it doesn't communicate that with such credibility as it does when a woman is speaking to you. So yeah, and you know, to Jess's point, it's trust is a long-term, um, long-term relationship building activity, but we make sure in everything we do, there is always uh, transparency, science, and empathy. Right, and, and to both your points, because trust is such a long-term proposition because so much of this industry is so new, I feel like you know, that's probably a little bit of, of, of a challenge um, you know, because, you know, womanhood has been traditionally defined quite narrowly, right, culturally. Um, but of course, you know, what it means to be a woman is, is more diverse and more fluid than it's ever been. So how do you all, you know, take that into account um, in, in to ensure that your marketing and your storytelling is inclusive? So we take we take inclusion uh, very, very seriously. And, you know, even our clinical studies were conducted on women as young as 21 years old, but also as old as 75 years old. Uh, the product, you know, because we understood, at first we understood that the barriers to women's orgasms are often a psychological. Uh, so to that effect, the, the innovation that was set apart was making sure that no matter where you are on your age or life stage spectrum, the product will work equally for, for everyone. Uh, but, you know, we are, not, we are not getting ahead of ourselves because we are so committed to our science. Unfortunately, today, we can't join the conversation of saying that it will work for, let's say, somebody who's trans or somebody who identifies as a woman. You know, this is for cis women. You're biologically born with a vagina because that's what we can commit to. That's where our studies are um, on, the, on the vaginal tissue. 
Um, so yeah, it, it's a balance, you know, because you can get overboard and it's a temptation that you want to make sure that you are, you have a proposition, maybe tomorrow from the house of Bala, we will have propositions that will work for everyone. But I think this is already a very strong, uh, step forward to make sure that we are capturing that entire spectrum of sexually active women. I, I think that's a great point that you you have um, your, your study included you know women from 21 to, to 75 because so much of you know especially when it comes to sex and pleasure right it's 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 in the premenopausal state or or even post menopausal women are, are supposed to aspire to want to be you know have vaginas like they're 28 again so so yeah. I think that's a great that you all sort of are very in, you know in, intentional about mentioning that it's all the way all the way up to 75. Um, Jess, did you want to uh, talk about inclusion? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's just, it starts with the company values and DEI is front and center for us. And it starts with ensuring that we have the right people at the table, that we're hiring the right people who are a broad swath of the of the demographics in the US in particular, that we have those voices heard. It, it extends to how we think about hiring our agencies and the teams those agencies put together and where we spend our money and how we spend our money. Are we um, engaging with influencers that, that are you know, gonna be resonant with, um, with non-white populations? Are, are we promoting body positivity? Are we representing in our imagery and in our marketing um, the wide variety of, of women in all of their amazing forms in, in the world? And that's, I mean, it's a huge aspiration, but it's, it's, definitely, um, it's definitely a critical one. Right, right. Um, and, you know, and, and I guess that, that leads me to an, another question in terms of how do you decide what stories to tell? I mean, are you using data? I think Bob, I think you and I spoke about, you know, using Google search data. Like, how are you deciding what to talk about with your, you know, with your consumers? I think for, for our purpose, you know, before we even get into what people's individuals desire, uh, desires are, it's taking a step back and truly understanding that of, you know, functioning sexual uh, health filters into your overall health. You know, just this past year, if it has taught us anything, it was a time of, you know, reflection, loneliness and isolation. And people wanted to connect with themselves and with, with partners in a totally different manner. So given that there is an intimacy revolution, people are seeking out tools, products, advice. How, how do they truly find themselves? And sex becomes, you know, it, it's, when you, when you when the whole world is going to uh, uh, a horrible through a horrible time, you go back to what you know as basic and primal. So sex being at the center of our existence, really, people really went back to you know seeking out that help, and that was so evident in in searches that we are seeing on Google. Uh, it's so informative. And if you truly like, you know, put your ear to the ground, you can see what they're looking for. And what we do is we filter those searches and bring it as blogs on our website to, to host them in a place where there is correct information. It's all available in one place. And we are making sure that we are, you know, truly answering the questions people are looking for. Yeah, for us, it really starts with insights um, and really digging deep into what it is that consumers want and need and where they're not getting attention from their doctors or where they're not getting information from Google. I mean, you look at the menopause search results on, on Google, it's a horror show. I mean, it's, it's really, 
it's, it's scary for women, I think, Mm -hmm. and it's very alienating. And so, you know, Bobo mentioned empathy, you know, earlier, I think um, it also is critical that our storytelling, you know, creates a a bridge of empathy into the the real suffering of women during this stage of life. And, and the, the reality that there are solutions available that can end that, that challenge that they have. Um, One of the things that was most um, compelling for me, you know, you sit in, in research and you, you hear women talk about their experience of menopause and, you know, they paint such a picture. One, one woman was talking about entering in conference rooms and scoping out the exits and scoping out where the AC vents are to ensure that she was sitting under them, ensure that she had an escape route, like she was a CIA operative or something. I mean, it was, it's, you know, you, you hear those stories in research and you know what it is you need to talk about. You, you just have to listen. Right. I mean, and I think both of you are, are dealing with subjects that women are traditionally conditioned not to talk about, right? I mean, women are not, you know, it, it, it's been a, quite taboo for women to talk about their own sexual pleasure, right? And then when it comes to menopause, I mean, I, I've spoken to women in this industry in PR who, who have really tried to hide that they've gone through that life stage because of the ageism, right, in our, in, in, in our industry in particular, right? Um, it, is there anything, I mean, you all have kind of already touched on this, but is there anything else that you all are doing to kind of destigmatize these subjects to make them okay? I think women need to feel empowered. I think we, I think we need to turn things on their heads. I think that, um, I think people need to, to start having these conversations more openly. I think we need to create communities and spaces, um, and create, um, create public forums for people to talk about these things, right? Whether it's, you know, public figures or, or other, or others, I think it's just, it's, it's critical that, that companies like ours exist to start the conversations in a public way, to invest against having the conversations more publicly, to invest in advertising and pushing to enable advertising that will work for our products. Um, It's really, it's, it's critically important. Well, what we've done is we've, channeled our storytelling as this is a brand of your choice because you know like Jess we also conducted very many in-depth interviews and they were all over Zoom just because that was the nature of how we were working last year and each of those interviews they got really intimate you know after 45 minutes or so because the first 45 minutes women found it really hard to articulate that there is even a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was, oh, oh, yeah, I've heard, but I'm okay in this department. You know, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. And the, the, these are things that we as women tell ourselves because we are so scared of, you know, this being blamed on us as our failure, our body's failing us or our mind's failing us, or you have it. But the minute you position this conversation about, hey, this is, you know, your most reliable sexual partner, that's not going to disappoint. The power of your pleasure is now in your hands. Uh, you know, whether you enjoy it solo or with a partner of your choice, you know, enough enough brands have come before us telling women what to do and how to be and what to expect. We are telling you, you have the tools today that you don't have to go through a lifetime without experiencing such a primal uh, aspect of your life and, and, and fulfilling your sexual function. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think being, you know, centering that conversation about choice and, and really not 
telling her, talking down to her, you know, being just being there. You don't even have to talk. Just be there uh, in her horizon and she will find you. Uh, and we are seeing that all these people we interviewed, over 90 people, actually, they were the first people who started ordering when we launched on 1st May. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, I think that, that that empowerment theme is is really is really important. And, you know, Michelle, this might be a, a good time to kind of get your perspective as well. What are you seeing around kind of the the destigmatizing de- 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 these um, these topics? I mean, I, I think about periods, right, and yeah. how far we've come in terms of having more open conversations about periods. Um, you know, I think obvi- it, it would seem natural that that sexual pleasure and and menopause would be would be sort of the next frontiers. Um, and what have you what have you seen kind of more holistically? Yeah, I think we are seeing like definitely the, the conversation around period and menstruation. I, I think a huge destigmatization over the past couple of years has been fertility. You know, a lot of celebrities coming forward and people talking about using IVF and how that's affecting them and the mental health impact of that. Huge progress, you know, very public campaigns around that. Um, as someone who gave birth last year, I think all of the mystery around pregnancy and like going through that for the first time and, and understanding how how much a lack of information, you can hear my son screaming in the background. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> um, <laughs> so much misinformation, so much hidden information. Um, and then I think it's almost like the frontiers are as you, as you kind of look forward to the women's life cycle, like those barriers are starting to collapse a little bit. So we're seeing, it's almost like, age related, right? It's like period and then fertility and then pregnancy and then menopause in in an odd kind of way. But um, I think there's a lot of conversations happening and I think access and and information is huge. The the impact on sexual education and what that looks like in the future because of technology and because of these broader conversations is, is pretty exciting and I'm optimistic about it. Yes, I mean, I, 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 there are now period commercials that use that use red fluid, right, and not and not blue, which is which is you know it's huge. I mean, you think about we all grew up with the little blue, right, um, the, the pads soaked in blue liquid. Um, so you know, because this is such a hot space, I mean, you've mentioned you know Clue, you know, Thinks. I mean, there's 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 these companies that have really kind of kind of led the way, and and now and now and as we talked about, I mean, now there's so many others entering the space. How do you stand out right now? Um, yeah, so I, I just curious how, how you all are approaching kind of standing out in, st- in a crowded space. Jess, do you wanna go first? For us, sure. Um, for us, you know, the importance of building a brand based on all of the insights that we've gathered is really critical. I think if you do the work up front to really understand what the challenges are facing women, in menopause or in whatever um, solution you're trying to find, I think that your brand will have resonance with them because you will have solved a problem that is real. And, um, and, you know, I think you also stand out through the partnerships that you choose and um, the way that you show up and your, um, your boldness in taking on the topic. And, you know, we plan on being really bold and really out front in talking about these topics and um, really creating a space for, for women to, to have an experience that's quite different from the one that they're having today, which is a lot of suffering in silence, a lot of being dismissed by doctors and a lot of just trying to struggle through, you know, up to 14 years of struggle Right. And that's a long time. Mm -hmm. So, um, so for us, it's, it's really about, um, 
about demonstrating our empathy in real and meaningful ways that, that have us show up and provide solutions that matter and that are personalized because not every woman's journey is the same. It helps us also be more inclusive um, to offer really personalized solutions because, you know, there are lots of women who have very, very different, um, symptoms and how they manifest and they change, you know, a lot over the course of, of time as you, as you go through menopause. So that's, that's what it's about for us. Right. So being quite solutions oriented and, and customizing, cause right. I mean, this is a, an event that's different for every, every woman. I mean, you can just do a Google search and see like there's a zillion different anecdotes around what it was like for different people and when it started and how long it lasted. Um, yeah. Bobo, what about you? How, how do you sort of stand out right now? So, you know, there is always a temptation to, because there is so much happening in the category that, you know, that different, different propositions that are coming out there. I think the number one thing is we want to stay true to our core, which is science. Uh, so, you know, for instance, a woman's sexual function, there's three parts to it, desire, arousal, orgasm. Desire is something that we don't play in. Our science and our studies are based on arousal and orgasm. So desire, let's say, will be the mood lifters, the sprays, the mists, you know, the, the easy wins, I call them. But we are not in that game at all. We want to make sure that everything that we are bringing has true scientific efficacy and promise behind it. And second part is to go beyond the product. You know, uh, like I said, there is so much misinformation to have a place where she can come for clear, correct information, which is not selling her Vela necessarily, but telling her what to expect, what is her body going through, what she's thinking and feeling is totally normal because every body is different, you know, and people respond differently to their age, life stage, hormones, environment, you name it. So these two things, I want to say that will hopefully in the long run will serve us correctly. So we do have short-term, mid-term and long-term innovations in the pipeline, and all of them are committed to the science. We will not fall prey to the quick wins uh, because we will lose who we are. Mm-hmm. And, and so just to sort of close this, this really just amazing conversation, I'm so glad that, we, that I, I brought you all here today. Um, Michelle, do you want to talk a little bit about sort of the direction that you see this space going in? Are there any trends that we should uh, be aware of? And then, of course, I, I invite Jess and, and Bobel to, to, to give your perspectives um, as well. Yeah, I, th- I think in brief, you know, we've talked a little bit about it. Um, it's really getting to the next frontier of the conversation, right, and covering big issues like pregnancy, motherhood, menopause, kind of the, the period menstruation fertility market is pretty flooded right now. I think you know, it's kind of taken care of. Um, what does it look like on those on the other side of that, of that journey? Um, I think with technology, uh, no matter what category you're in or what population you're serving, there's always an access piece, right? Even with telemedicine, I talked about this a little bit last time in the mental health conversation. Although there is a, you know, a flood of technology, not everyone has access to it. And how do companies like this make sure that you know, every kind of person can access this technology and get those benefits? Because healthcare in this country is you know, incredibly complex. It's hard to access if you're not you know, well-employed, all those kinds of things. So I think access is a huge part of it. I think any tech company should be thinking about that and making sure that it's you know, accessing all the different populations that, that really need it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think Jess, you inadvertently talked about something that I'm going to watch is, is how we, how do we, how we categorize this space? Um, I think, yeah, I think you, you raised a really good point about the, the word femtech itself and whether we need to examine and be a little bit more critical, critical of that. 
Um, is there anything else before before we close this this fantastic conversation? I want to say I see a future where, you know, a lot of adjacent categories will come together for uh, serving uh, women's health now, whether and, and, you know, finding avenues to reach her, because with all the restrictions that are out there in terms of paid advertising, I think marketers will have to be far more creative uh, and far more giving too. So, for instance, you know, for my my proposition, I would love to uh, love to see how I can partner with a dating site or how I can partner with you know places where she's going there already to find self care. So is it spas or you know those sort of partnerships will come together because we have spent decades uh, you know uh, segmenting beauty spaces like I hate when in my previous experience people would say oh but is that a makeup consumer there is no category consumer she is a person she consumes a lot of categories and we have to find a way to get to her in an authentic way and probably hold hands because this has been such a challenge in the past few years that we have to more than make up you know for the misgivings of uh, of pastime so I, I foresee a future where uh, more brands will come together and and serve her uh, for truly her benefit. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I'm most excited about a future that um, provides holistic solutions for women, for people, um, and accessible solutions. So really bringing the promise of technology to bear, the promise of science to bear, science Science is something that we are grounded on and founded on as well, um, but it only works in our favor, especially as women, if women are part of the studies and, um, and those are the kinds of, of um, breakthroughs that we need first is in, in science and making sure that um, women and women's needs are at the forefront of, of research and that we are taking women's needs really seriously. And I think we're off to a really good start. Um, but it's really long overdue and needs to accelerate more quickly. I think that's that's such an, an excellent point. I, I remember being, at, when I was looking at like how the, some of the, the COVID vaccine trials and how these are some of the most inclusive trials that we have done like in the history of trials and that they were much more intentional about making sure that various demographics were involved. And, and that was, to me, that was so, it was like, it's taken so long, but- Bad. Right? Um, and, I, and so even, <laughs> So it, it, it's an exciting moment. I think, Jesse, you're right. And we just seem to be right on the cusp of, of, of being more inclusive in terms of how we think about science and how we think about studies. Um, well, well, I mean, what a great discussion. And, and I, I, we need more conversations like this. So thank you, um, Bulbul. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Michelle, for, for coming on here today. And I do hope that this is the first of many conversations that we have around this, this, this category. Um, Thank you again to Allison and Partners for partnering with us on this great series. Um, thank you to our production team. And we will be back soon with episode three of the series. You have been listening to the Provoke podcast brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the International Broadcast Specialists Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent, and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at notified.com.